I am so thankful that we serve a God who never fails us, who never lets us down, who never leaves us or forsakes us. And for just a moment, what I want you and I to do is is to just pray and kind of center our hearts, to focus for a second. I think a, a lot of times I, I had this watch that would, it was a Fitbit. I don't do a lot of fitness, so I don't wear it often, but one of the, oftentimes my Fitbit would become uh, unsynced, unsunked with my phone, and I would have to recalibrate it. And I think that for you and I, a lot of times, as we get ready to hear the Word of God, we need a little bit of a recalibration. We need God to reset us in order to receive whatever He has for us. And so as I go to pray, I just want to pray that God would recalibrate your heart, that it would be open to receive whatever He has for you. Will you join me in that prayer? Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Today we come open-handed and open-hearted, God, ready to receive whatever you have for us. We believe that we are not here by accident, but by divine appointment. So we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are a God who moves mountains. And if we've seen you do it before, we know you can do it again. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, you can be seated. I want to say good morning and welcome to Propel Church. We hope that throughout your time this morning, you have an incredible worship experience. If it is your first time, we would love for you to fill out that connect card. It's a simple, easy way for us to connect with you. And we're excited because um, we just want to say thank you. We would love to do that. And so if you'd afford us that opportunity, that would be amazing. If you're tuning in online with us, we want to say welcome to you as well. I'm excited because we are going to be today in week three of a message series called Jesus at the Center. And Jesus at the Center has been one of those messages where we've really talked about how we're not just going to put God first in our life, we're going to put him at the center of everything because what Colossians teaches us is that that's where he belongs. That at the center of my life, at the center of my job, at the center of my family, Jesus belongs at the center. And so what I wanted to do, last week we, we talked about, we kicked off 21 days of prayer, and that's been incredible. Many of the people on our team are, are uh, on a Daniel fast or fasting. Maybe you're here and, and you're fasting. Here's what I want you to know. Somebody asked me the other day, hey, Pastor, if I, didn't, if I didn't start on day one, you know, do I have to wait till next year? The answer is no. You can start fasting today. You can start giving something up. If you want resources on that, you can go to propel.church slash 21 days. But today what I want to do is I want us to talk about putting Jesus at the center of our family. And so I thought, man, what better way to do that than to have some friends of mine come help me in a conversation with that. So won't you help me welcome to the stage Emmanuel and Adrian Threat. Now, some of you may know them, and, and some of you might not, but uh, this couple is, they're, they're absolutely incredible. They are the founders of an organization called Hope Vibes, and, and they're going to tell you a little bit about Hope Vibes, but Hope Vibes is one of our strategic outreach partners at Propel. And so, just to kind of kick off our conversation this morning, why don't you guys introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your family. So, I think I'm supposed to be the one to start it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my name is Emmanuel, a.k.a. Manny. Nick knows me as Manny. Um, and this is my wife, Adrian, and uh, my son, EJ, down there. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, a little bit about our family is we love God. We've been married for 
11 years. And um, she stalked me for, I'm just kidding, no, no, no. We met in Atlanta. <laughs> we met in Atlanta at a Christmas conference with an um, organization called Campus Outreach. Um, they actually have a, like a campus ministry on UNC Charlotte's campus. I never went to UNC Charlotte, but I was just hanging out there all the time. She actually went to UNC Charlotte. Um, um, and uh, we met through this organization. They had a Christmas, Christmas conference in Atlanta, and we just were friends. We're friends for like five years, still best friends now. But back then, it was just, we just was like brother and sister and hanging out and chilling. And then one day, I was like, oh, she's awesome. Oh, oh, OK. That, Oh, okay, you want me, oh, okay. At the time that happened, actually, I wasn't ready. I was like, but I'm not ready, God. I, I'm crazy, and I'm still, so please let her still be around whenever I'm ready. He was, he was crazy. Yeah, and so to all you single people out there, like, if God tells you um, that she's the one or he's the one, um, first off, make sure you're ready, because if you're not ready, you can mess it up. Second off, uh, Listen to him, obey him, because I would not, man, I would be upset. I probably, man, if I didn't have her, it would be all, mm. anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll end it there, but I'm yeah. I'm the serious one, as you can tell. <laughs> you're, you're the serious one. He's the silly one, I'm the serious one. But yeah, so we've, we've uh, yeah, been married 11 years, and so it's been amazing. Um, she's my best friend, and we do ministry together, we do life together, we, yeah, looking forward to spending, hopefully forever, you know, in heaven, I don't know if, if heaven we can, at least, if we're not married in heaven, at least we got mansions beside each other or something. Like, we got houses beside each other or something like it's, that. It's just a duplex. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? If, if it, that'd be great. It's a duplex. Like, she could stay, you know what I'm saying, right beside and be like, yeah, there yeah. we go. That, that's awesome. Now, you and I have known each other for, for several years. Our relationship goes back before you guys ever started Hope Vibes. Why don't you tell them how we met and and go through that process. I'm not, I forgot how, actually how we exactly met. I know we, we met through a friend of ours, Mike Shelton. Uh, he connected us and I, like, I can't remember. I think it was like maybe through, he was doing Shake the City back at the time. And like, you know, you were hanging out there and uh, we were hanging out and we just was trying to change and shake the city, like do, you know, crazy with Mike. And, but at the time, your pastor, he wasn't like, your pastor like he is now. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying that he was doing craziness, but he might have been. I'm just saying he might have been. I don't know. But he was hanging around some good people at the time. So that's the thing is like, you know, he might have not, not been all the way where he is now, but he was hanging around the people that could help him get to where he needed to be. And so like, um, yeah, so I, I remember this one, this, like this one time, and, and we had known each other for, like seen each other and known each other for maybe, a year or something at this time or whatever. And I remember we were up by the light rail, which is this one, the like light rail platform over there by South Boulevard in Charlotte, South Boulevard and East Boulevard. We're in a parking lot behind, I think it's like Liberty Burgers or something like that. It's just like, anyway. And I remember you having a conversation, just we were all talking there. We're just kind of like talking about God and talking about things. And, and it was on your heart to become a minister, like a pastor. And you're like, I'm gonna become a pastor. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, bro, like, are you even really saved yet? Like, <laughs> like I know you like kind of like know God, but okay. Like, and, but there was, it wasn't like, like any hate or shade. It was just like, man, his heart for something that he feels like God is calling him to do is real. And I can see it on him. And I'm like, man, okay, well, you can do it, bro. I just know what you're getting into. Cause you know, being a pastor ain't just like, 
hey, I want to be a pastor. No, you got to know that. If you step into that without knowing fully that's what God wants you to do, that could cost you your life. Um, and so it's, so it's encouraging to see now where God has taken Pastor Nick um, because it started just from a calling, from a desire, from something that God had placed in him. And, he, and, and I know he, he's t- probably told his testimony before this. And so, like, I can just, uh, just think about, like, that seed of what God has for, had for you was even before that, obviously, that conversation, even before you even knew that that's something you wanted to do, like, that seed of, like, man, I have called you to be something great, called you to be a pastor, to lead others into a deeper, meaningful relationship with him and, and teach them about who I am. Like, that was in you way before that conversation. And so to see, like, a part, be a part of that mix where, like, God is cultivating that and has grown that into what we see now, man, I just think it's super cool. So, yeah, man. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit, you guys, you know, just over the last couple of years have started this organization called Hope Vibes. What does that look like for you? What What is Hope Vibes? So Hope Vibes is something that started organically. Like it wasn't planned. It wasn't intentional. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was on Facebook just kind of scrolling, and I came across a video of a homeless woman sharing about how she was having to deal with her menstrual cycle while living on the streets. And, like, she was creating, like, makeshift necessities um, to meet those needs. And I was just like, man, I never even thought about that aspect of having to deal with homelessness. And, like, I just, I cried watching it. I watched it, like, three times back to back. And then I shared it on my Facebook. And my friends were like, man, I never thought about that either. And they were just as shocked and outraged about it as I was to the extent they were like, so what are you going to do about it? And I was like, wait a minute. No, I was just sharing for awareness purposes. Um, but they really, like, people started bringing me stuff. And um, I had a friend. She was like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to set up a meeting. And all these people who said that they wanted to help you, you're going to invite them to that meeting, and then we're going to go out. And that's what we did. We set a meeting. We collected items. And that next month, we started going out and kept going out every month until here we are. Um, and so we saw this need of hygiene uh, for a specific community and said, okay, God has placed this burden in my heart. We're going to go and meet that need. And it's opened the doors for opportunities to share the faith with people as we're out there, um, to give hope, um, and also be recipients of hope, too, because as we're out there, we find that many people that are out there, they have they have faith, um, and they, they're hearing from God, and they're some of them are out there on mission yeah. for Christ. Yeah. Um, and so I've experienced receiving hope just as much as I'm giving hope while we're out there. Um, that's incredible. I think one of the things that you said that's so crucial is that you had a passion and then you did something with it. I think a lot of times people will just take their passion and they try and give it to somebody else to run with. But if God's laid something on your heart, it's for you to carry through the finish line. It, and it's not to do it by yourself because we know that's why he places us in a body of believers. That's why he put us together with other people. But, but when you have a burden, it's because God's brought you on mission and wants you to do something with that. That's incredible. And for so long, I didn't even know, like, I, his version of the story is different. Like, because I, for a long time, I had a passion for homeless people. Um, but I just, I felt like I, there was nothing I could do about it. And so that was 
long before, you know, two years ago. Um, he yeah, yeah. So, like, when we first, our first date, we were uptown and uh, walking down the street, down Tryon Street. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing a gentlemanly thing. I'm opening doors and, and making sure, holding her hand. I'm doing, doing what I'm supposed to do. And uh, I look over at her, and she's bawling her face out. And I'm like, what did I do? I thought it was I his breath. His, it just, his breath was so, so horrible. See, that's, oh, my God. That's not, that's not true. I had put mints in, okay? <laughs> um, but I, I looked at her, and I was like, what, what's going on? What's wrong? And she, we had just passed uh, one of our homeless neighbors who was, living, who was, like, sleeping on the sidewalk. And she, she looked at me and was like, I, I wish I could do more. I wish I could do more to help. And, like, from that moment, I really knew, like, dude, like, she's serious. Like, this is not something that is just like, oh, I want to, you know, help somebody. But, no, like, it grieves her when she sees people in need like that. Um, and from that moment on, ever since, I mean, before, even well before last year, um, we, you know, we would do everything that we could, little things here and there, have conversations with our neighbors. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we really kind of like, kind of live by is like, you might not be able to do a lot, but you can do, um, you can do really what you have. You can do great with what you have. And so you don't have to, you don't have to have a million dollars to give hope. You can just give hope with whatever you have right now. Um, and so it, and so for us, it started like that. Just started just having conversations with people, looking at them in the eyes and smiling at them, acknowledging, hey, that they're there and not just walking past or stepping over somebody just because they don't kind of meet the, meet the, the appearance of, of society, you know, so yeah. That's huge. And, you know, church, just so you know, one of the things in the very beginning of this, you guys were putting together hygiene bags and you're still putting together hygiene bags for uh, your homeless neighbors in, in Charlotte. We were a part, we, we bought, I think, like 300 toothbrushes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys were, like, instrumental in, like, the first stages of where we are now. And, then like, we haven't had to, like, really pull on our partners like that for hygiene items anymore because we've had amazing, like, schools partnering and, and other organizations partner. And, like, it's just been really cool to see where, like, a passion can start from a seed and then yeah. grow and then, and then latch on to other people's passions and it becomes something that's like a tree. And now it's, it's almost self-sustained where, where if we didn't say we, it's like something happened and we weren't in the picture anymore, it would still go on because of the people that surround us grab hold of the, the, the mission. That's huge. And, uh, Church, I just want to let you know they're, they're on a journey. We're going to dive into some questions about putting Jesus at the center of our family in just a second. But want to let you know that the journey that they're on right now is to build a, a mobile uh, shower unit. Yep, yep. It's that's called it. the Hope Tank. Yep, the Hope Tank is a mobile laundry and shower vehicle. Um, it's going to have uh, about three to four um, washer and dryer, stackable washer and dryers in a little laundry laundromat, and then two to three shower units in it with toilet and shower sink and all that, um, and on a box truck kind of situation and just we can just roll up anywhere and and bless and make sure that our neighbors in need have what they they have in order to feel dignity and hope you know that's so huge well propel church i just want to celebrate something with you that thanks to your generosity uh, we're going to be able to cut them a 1500 hundred dollar check today to help go towards that hope take can we celebrate that awesome. thank you so much yeah yeah <laughs> so now as we get ready to kind of dive into some content today. What does it look like for you guys to put Jesus at the center of your family? So I think for us, Jesus at the center of our family looks like 
um, letting him disrupt our day. And so, um, and I know that's not necessarily like a fun thing, but it's a, a, like it has to be that way because a lot of times we can get into like, we can like read the blogs or read, you know, websites or how to be a good parent. Um, but to be a God, Christ, kingdom-centered parent is to allow God to infiltrate every aspect of the household. And so that might mean we're going out to eat, but we go out to eat with, you know, one of some of our homeless neighbors um, that we just met on the way up to the, to, to the restaurant. A family, uh, you know, a, a, a time with the family now has extended to people that maybe are strangers that maybe don't, doesn't smell right. So, but it's that time for us to be an example towards him so that he can see that this life that we're living is not our own. Like we have to be used at every moment by a God that loves us and gave us every single thing that we could ask for um, when we were enemies of him, you know? And so for me, that's what that looks like is, is allowing and obeying God. So the, the next step of that is like, you can be aware of God in, in, in your household, but, and say, acknowledge him, and even for your personal life, but there's another, like, if we just acknowledge him without any action, then we are like, the, like, I mean, the devil knows that God exists, he has conversations with him in the in scripture, you know, we see that, and so we're no, that there's no difference than that, we have to actually do what he's called us to do, yeah. actually obey what he's called us to obey, and say, okay, God, how does my day look like when it comes to my family? You know, what does this actually mean or look whenever, you know, I, I, I you know, put him to bed or, or have conversations with, him, if, with my wife? Am I, am I quick to uh, forgive? Am I quick to apologize? And then allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he does, and that's to really, like, convict and check and make sure I'm good, make sure, you know, I, I can't control her. And I'm not trying to control her. <laughs> but I know I, if I believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of her the same way that he lives inside of me, then I don't need a checker. The Holy Spirit will check her if there's something wrong. And if there's something wrong with me, then the Holy Spirit get me. And he does. And then I'm quick to, to forget, to, to, to apologize if I've come off too sharp, you know. And so that's what the center, like with Christ at the center of your family is allowing God to take, to, to, to dissect every little piece. And he has control over every little piece. And he's like, hey, if you let, let him do that, then everything's good. That's huge. Anything yeah. there? The thing that comes to my mind in the moment is really surrendering. Yeah. Like, if you're going to put Jesus at the center, then you've got to surrender your will yeah. and be like, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, however you want me to respond at any given moment, I'm going to yield what I want to what you want. Um, and like you were saying, like, that's disruptive yeah. because nine times out of ten, we typically, we, we want to do things our own way because... It's us. It's what makes us comfortable. Yeah. Um, and sometimes putting Jesus at the center of our lives, of our family, means we've got to separate from what makes us comfortable yeah. in order to fulfill whatever he has for us to do. Um, I mean, you mentioned, like, going out to eat. Like, one time we were, we were planning on going out to eat. We went to, we had a specific place we were going to, and we got out the car, and there were, um, we thought they were a couple. It was these two, this man and a woman, they were sitting on a bench. Um, the woman was like sweating profusely and very faintly I could hear her voice say, can you, can you help me? And, and she was asking for some money and I was like, well, 
um, let me see what I have. I didn't, I didn't have much. Um, and so I gave it to her. And then he came up and he was like, are you guys okay? And um, the, the lady began to say she hadn't eaten in a couple of days. And so we were sitting there. We were like, okay, well, we don't have a lot of money. Lord, what do you want us to do? And he felt prompted that we were supposed to get them some food. But not only that, invite them to sit down and eat with us. And so we said, well, come with us. And we took him in inside the city barbecue, and we said, get whatever you want to eat, and will you join us for dinner? And that was not the plan, you know? Um, sometimes we're, like, always on, and sometimes we want to be have a moment to be off, you know, like just not be, like, having to think about other people's needs all the time. But w when God presents an opportunity and he says, this is what I want you to do, that's when you've got to surrender. And it's like, okay, this is maybe not what I wanted for this moment, but what you want, Lord, is more important. And I think that that's, like, crucial when you're talking about keeping Jesus at the center. And even modeling that before your kids. Because yeah. I saw that same couple again a couple of weeks later, and that, that particular day I was exhausted. And I saw, I saw the woman, and I was like, Lord, I don't really feel like doing this today. I didn't. I didn't feel like doing it. And my son was in the back seat, and he was like, Mommy, there's Miss such and such. And um, he was like, well, we could just get her some food. I remember what she got the last time. <laughs> and so in that moment, I was like, he's watching. Like, I could make a U-turn and go somewhere else and not have to deal with this right now because I'm so exhausted, and I don't feel like I have anything to pour out right now. Or I can push and be like, okay, Lord, is this what you want me to do? And he's going to remember that, right. you know? And so living and modeling out, putting Jesus at the center, putting his will and his preferences before our own, like, it's a part of raising the next generation. That's so huge. And I think one of the things I love about just listening to you guys speak, and, and uh, if you guys don't follow them on social media, you definitely should. But I love the fact that, I feel like you guys help restore humanity to those who are currently homeless. I think a lot of times people just look at them as problems, but you look past the problem and see the person. And as you're inviting them to have dinner with you, you're restoring dignity, you're restoring hope, you're, restore, you're honoring them. And I think that's so huge of you oh, guys. I mean, I, and, I, and I think the thing is, it's like the reality is nothing really, nothing really separates us from our neighbors that are homeless. Like, I mean, we're talking about may maybe dollars, but they're children of God. They're loved by God. They, they have hope, you know, like Adrian was saying. They <laughs> there's times that we receive hope just as much as we give out hope. Um, and I think, like, this season, God has reminded us as a family that there's, there's nothing that we can offer them that we haven't already received from God. Like, so we have to come <laughs> willing and open to be led by God. And so all we're doing is speaking to what God has already called them to be. And so sometimes we forget, even us, so we might not, you know, not might not necessarily be homeless, but we for, we, there might be a time when we forget that you are a child of God, that you are loved by God, that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that you, this is who you are, and that 
us as believers, as, as in a place to actually speak into somebody, we're speaking to that and calling that forth. And so that's all we're doing in those moments. And that's something that any of us who know your, knows your position in the kingdom of God can do to anybody else. You might see the person that's at Wendy's, the cashier, you see a countenance on their face, and you know that, okay, there's something going on. You can speak to, to her, not as where she position that she's in now or how she's feeling now, but where and who God has called her to be, which is a daughter of the king, a, a son of the king. You know, that's, that's what you're speaking towards, calling that forth and encouraging that person in order for them to actually acknowledge who they really are. And the same applies for in your household, right? Like, so we're talking a lot about within the context of dealing with homelessness, but even in your household, like seeing the potential in your, your mate, seeing the potential in your, in your child, seeing the potential in your sister or your brother, your sibling that you live with, and really speaking to that potential and drawing it out. Yeah. Um, it's that preferring one another above yourself. Um, that's, that's a part of keeping Jesus at the center of your family. That's so good. Now, let me ask you this. I think it's, it's one thing to put Jesus at the center um, and we, we work on that track, and, and he's at the center of our family. But the truth is, life gets a little crazy sometimes, right? I, I don't know about y'all. Y'all ever had crazy times? In life? Never, never. Never. So how do you, <laughs> we want to put him at the center, but how do we keep him at the center when life gets crazy? So she's going to probably say something, add something to this. But I know for me, um, it's been really important to have people around us that we can identify when something's going on and that will, like, be very real, like, hey, you good? No, 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 I, no, you didn't answer the question right. You, you good? And, and, and me being open and willing to say, no, I'm not good. I'm struggling right now. This is how I'm feeling. And so, you know, we're not superhumans out here. You know, we have moments where we, like I said, forget who we are and our where our trust lies. And regardless of what situation comes up, like, we have to have people around us. Like, the scriptures very clearly, what? I am superhuman. You are a superhuman. But, <laughs> but superheroes you, also still have their yes, down days. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, the, the scriptures talk about running this race together, like, and spurring one, uh, one another on um, in our faith. And so, like, that's key like if you don't have a community around you to support and help you and 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 not just say oh i got a, a a community group no 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 but actually people who will look you in the eye and check you and be like no you are you you're not okay i can tell cuz you i know you like if you're not in a relationship with somebody that deep um and it, it and it can be your spouse but it can be somebody else it might need to be other people because there's moments like there's moments when we're both like man i don't know if we're going to make it today I don't know. And so we can't look towards each other at that moment because it's like. You ain't got no encouragement. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you're yeah. right. We both, we're going to drown. It's like, it's like, no, we don't. We both can't be like that right. and ha not have anybody else on the outside. We need people that's on the, in, in the center of our family and then on the outside saying, hey, we encourage you and uplift you and motivate you. And so, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I also think just like having a lifestyle of prayer and worship and just devotion to God, like I think that that's, that's key in really keeping keeping Christ at the center during difficult times. Um, one of my favorite spots to go to, and, and I went there yesterday, I spent like four hours there till it closed, um, 
is the 24-7 prayer spot in Charlotte. There's one in Concord, too. If you have never been, it's called The Commons. It's a prayer place. Um, gorgeous, a, a sacred space for creative prayer and worship. Um, and for me, that's like this time to get away and regroup, refresh, and have a clear sense of what God is saying in those difficult moments. Um, and sometimes, you know, we have this natural inclination to want to, like, in difficult times to, like, pull away and draw back from God. Um, but you've got to train yourself to do the opposite and really run to him um, in those difficult moments because that's where you're going to find that sense of peace, that sense of sustaining, like, okay, I can, I can make it through this. Um, you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. Like, you, you have to rely on him, and that's where you're going to find that at. That's incredible. And one more question. We've got time for one more question today. Um, in putting Jesus at the center of our families, what are some advice you could give to people on parenting kids? I think, for one, modeling the lifestyle before them. Um, the, the good, the bad, the easy, the hard, um, and just being real, like, I think that that's really important. Um, but also just, like, exposing your children to opportunities um, to, to walk out their faith, to serve others, um, to pray, um, just leading them in, like, doing life with them, like, not making it just like, okay, we're going to do, we're going to read this Bible story, and all right, we did our, our duty, but like really making it a lifestyle for them um, in their everyday life. And so like with EJ, like he's great. <laughs> I'm biased, but he really is great. And um, with Hope Vibes, like he's been a part of it from the beginning, like we haven't like shielded him or separated him from it. Um, and it's become a part of his heart. Like he's out there serving with us. He, he has vision for it. Um, he's coming up with ideas for how he can serve the children that are living at the shelter. Um, and so we're, we're not just telling him, okay, God wants you to love people and God wants you to serve people. We're telling him that, but then we are more so exposing him to it and giving him the opportunity to actually live out the word that we're, we're teaching him. And, and I think on the same note, empowering our kids. So... Our kids have ideas, they have vision, they have things that they want to do, um, and I, and some of them you just can't do. Like my dude, he wants to he wants to own a uh, smoothie shop, and I'm like, you know, we can work on. There's things that we can do now, but we can't like just buy a smoothie shop right right now. Like <laughs> you, you don't like, but you he, don't he, have. He, a he wants one, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's ideas. <laughs> there's ideas that he that he does have that we can actually do, and so like I think it's important that we just not like disregard our kids' ideas and vision, but we actually, the ones that we actually can do, we help them actually do it. And, and it might be small, it might seem insignificant, but for them, it's a big idea. And we, if we can help push them forward and help make it happen, we'll see the ripples in the future of like, man, I succeeded at this, at this, with this idea because my parents helped me push that. When they're a teenager, there might be something else that's bigger than that. When they're adult, it might be even bigger because it started off when they were kids and they were empowered to do what they felt like God called them to do in their heart. I think, too, like helping our children um, develop this mindset and way of, way of thinking, way of life that church is more than just something that we do on Sundays. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? Like helping them not to make it routine. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed with EJ a couple of weeks ago was I started noticing during our prayer times at night, he was saying the same thing every night. And I said, wait a minute, you're making prayer routine and you can't do that. Like when you are having moments of prayer, this is your opportunity to talk with God, the father of everything, everyone, like he's huge. This is a conversation. And if I came to you every day and I said the same exact thing to you every day, just because it's, it's habit, it's routine, it's not coming from a genuine place and it's boring, yeah. right? And so taking those moments to like really see, okay, where, where are my kids' views on things like prayer? And helping them make it something that's real, something that's tangible, um, something that's meaningful and purposeful and not just something we do before we eat our meal or something that we do before we go to bed or get up in the morning. Um, and you, here's the formula for what we say when we pray, but really taking a moment to stop and have a sincere conversation with God. Um, I think that, like, I don't know, I feel like right now for me, that's a big thing for him. Like, I don't want you to make prayer just, oh, this is what I say. And I say these exact words and then I'm done so I can be finished. No, like stop and really embrace the moment that you have to spend with the Father. That's huge. Well, church, can you help me thank these guys for today's conversation? What I want to do now for just a second, one of the most crucial points in the worship team can come back out. Um, what I want to, as we're talking, putting Jesus at the center of our family is incredibly important, but you and I can't put Jesus at the center of our family if he's not at the center of our life. And so maybe you're here today and Jesus isn't at the center of your life. Maybe he's been at the center of something over there and over there, but today is the day where you want to become fully surrendered to him, to allow Jesus to be the center of your life so that he can be the center of your family. For just a moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to invite you into a prayer. This is not an opportunity for, this is an opportunity for you to say, hey God, today I realize that Maybe you're not at the center of my life. And I have a desire for you to be at the center of my family, but in order to do that, I know I need to put you in your rightful place. If you're here and you'd say, hey, I need to put Jesus at the center of my life, would you just lift your hand for a moment? Yeah, I see those. Well, here's what we're gonna do, church. Nobody prays alone, we're all gonna pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, Today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, why don't you stand to your feet and help me celebrate with those who made decisions for Jesus. <laughs> We're gonna continue in worship for just a moment and sing a song called Always Have. And one of the things that I love about this song is that it talks just about how God has always loved us. No matter where you're at today or what you've been through, God's love for you was never about what you could do or who you are. He loves you because he loves you. He loves you because he is love. Let's worship.